Oh man, Mark, right at the top. We got it. We do have to talk about Kareid's uh, tweet. You have uh, you've been battling on on Twitter uh, of late, Pat. Yeah, the uh, the people. Uh, it's so funny because like there's kind of um, obviously there's like the fantasy football community, which has which has adds its various divisions in terms of what we like and what we don't like so much. Um, and you know we're very familiar with those types of uh, conversations sometimes. One would argue we were beating a dead horse with those conversations, but there's a whole nother world beyond that that I don't I don't recommend <laughs> finding your way what? into. Because <laughs> uh, and and it's sort of like and you guys would probably know this more than I do. I don't normally have a, a tweet enter the the upper atmosphere of the larger NFL conversation. This one did, and uh, I don't like that conversation very much. It's it, it's not very nuanced. <laughs> And uh, people seem to think that uh, real men run the ball. So that's where we're at. This is like, and I actually am confused by it because I know there's always been the kind of people who are like, yeah, you know, uh, I want to watch, you know, you know, gridiron football guys beating their heads against each other and blah, blah, blah. That's all they want. But like, aren't most fantasy fans, we want points, right? Isn't that what we're all, we want as many fantasy football points as we can get? Well, so that's part of it, though, is that this is now in the real football world. In the real okay, football world. Okay, so this world, is completely out of even fantasy people. Yeah, got a and there's a, like you, there's like quote tweets on this of like people being like, "What a shame that this is in my world that we have to like even interact with these like fantasy dipshits because they don't understand the game of football." Like that, it's like we're getting that kind of, uh, you know. What like I guess I also am confused too. Like, don't they find it concern? They think that the new meta of the NFL is that it's smart in game theory optimal to run more. Yes. In this oh game? yeah, yeah. There's like a, a bunch of stuff like run first team simply win. Period. <laughs> like, there's lots and lots of just like. Then there's the whole thing of like good. You know, I enjoy watching a good offense run the ball, but generally I think like. What's happening here? There's also like the whole thing of uh, it's COVID, not the fact that teams are passing less. But of course, <laughs> the fact that we're dealing with injuries and weather and uh, yes, of course, those are all the reasons why we're seeing less passing. Like I'm not say- like I'm actually not saying why this is happening, you know. So yes, of course, like COVID injuries uh, to quarterbacks, weather, maybe some ideological shifts, some defensive shifts, like. I think that's kind of an interesting conversation. Josh Norris popped in. There's been some interesting stuff where we've, you know, people are saying like, here's why I think this might be happening. I'm interested in that conversation, but uh, some, some people are basically like, it's not this graph. It's COVID, which I find kind of interesting because like, this is just something that's happening. You can't, you can't really say it's not. Yeah, this was, this was a crazy take. There hasn't been a single game this season that left me feeling like we didn't see enough passing. Um, literally every game I watch, there's not enough passing. <laughs> like literally, literally every, every game, game. <laughs> which is actually interesting because like that must be like a really sweet spot to live in because, you know, I assume that he also thinks there's just enough running, you know? So like, you're just watching this perfect league that's just hitting the exact sweet spot that you're looking for. So, you know, I envy that a little bit. Yeah. I wonder if it's like one of those things what what is your take on on uh on this tweet i'm just reading all of pat's tweets and replies lately (laughs) i hadn't caught all of them i'd seen some of them and they're very good uh everyone make your way to pat Gray's twitter i recommend read through his latest threads (laughs) 
It sometimes yeah, I did, feels... I did make the mistake of replying to I eventually you've muted it, but I did make the mistake. This is uh, back and forth with, uh, um, who is it, Josh Josh Cohen, it looks like, who who mentioned he played QB. I mean, <laughs> Josh had to come back and say, uh, I'm sure he's a great guy, but he had to come back and say, um, I didn't mean to be snide and all that, because you, 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 you kind of buried him with the, <laughs> the reply. He's just like, oh, my bad. I didn't realize you played QB. That's, I will, I will say, I will admit to, uh, you know, I, Josh was asking some questions, and I was trying to engage with Josh on a, uh, you know, like a above-board level, and then he hit me with the chow. So, I, you know. <laughs> the, chow, the chow tweet did come across snide to me as well. <laughs> did it? Did it come across snide to you? It did. I, yeah, I think the thing that well. gets me is sometimes when I read those things, it's like they don't actually believe what they're writing, but they need to go to the super far extreme to like make their point. They're like these fantasy guys, they like it. So I'm going to yeah, say yeah. every play should be running the game. It's like, you don't actually think that you're right, just right. trying to say that like your take is also so extreme. Yeah. And the, <laughs> I mean, like in that thread again, not to just bury Josh Cohen, uh, anymore. <laughs> so Josh Cohen. The, uh, the, comment, the comment in that thread that he made was like, I guess I just like all aspects of football. And it's like, I mean, honestly, like I've heard that one before and I just want to reach the screen and punch someone in the face. Like you're not like a better football fan because you think that you like the running game more. Like I like good running plays too, man. Believe me, I get jazz. I'm like Jonathan Taylor long runs. Oh, yeah. There's, there's not as much to a running play. Like, even in the playbook, every team says this. You can get your running back up to speed immediately because every running game is very similar. There's only a certain amount of blocks you can do. There's only a certain amount of gaps you can run to. Freaking middle school football. Like, there's like five run plays. And then there's a lot – there's a little bit more variance in the pass game, even starting at that age. Obviously, when you get to the NFL level, like, there are so many more passing concepts and pass defensive schemes than just the – uh, the base of like what hole are you hitting and then the run fits and who's going to fill each hole in the defense. The run game isn't complicated. It, and like, and I can understand why people think it's fun. I'm not like a big film grinder. I don't know everything about the run game or anything. I didn't play quarterback, but uh, like, it's not, it's not, you're not a freaking connoisseur of football because you appreciate the run game. I fucking hate that. God, I hate well, that. Well, I also think like there's it's uh... not complicated. There's some good running games that, you know, aren't on teams that, you know, run exclusively, you know, you see like some of the, some good run games, like the Colts for most of the season were balanced and they're still not, uh, they still rank 21st in pass rate over expected. So they're not like the Titans rank last. Um, so, you know, they're not, they're not anywhere near the Titans in terms of being well, ultra run heavy. So it's yeah. like, even if you do like the run game, often the run game finds more success on a balanced team. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, even the, the, the Derrick Henry version of the Titans, like I don't even mind watching that because the play action, it they yeah. run it so much, and that's such a fun and thing. And it's like tempo. Yeah, like, you're lolling that. Part in of the issue with the run it. game is that it's so correlated to conservative thinking, like running the play clock way down. These coaches are just afraid to run offenses, is what it is, yeah. right? And so it's it's defaulting to the more basic play, and that's what it is. It's not a complicated thing. Running the ball is more basic. You just line up, hit a guy, and run straight. Like there really are less. I mean, there's uh, obviously a lot of running schemes that are very complicated. Kyle Shanahan has really interesting ones. Uh, you know, a lot of people know way more than me about this, but I know enough to know that there it's the a well-executed passing game is so much more multi-dimensional and so much more complicated. And anyone who says differently is just trying to be well. Even like the, the Shanahan stuff. 
the Shanahan stuff is even more simple in a way, right? Because you're just the guys mm-hmm. reading the gap. Like he's, you know, it's not actually like it's like the same place. Like you're not looking yeah, at just like, like various power. You're not pulling guards. You're not doing yeah. like you know various like more scripted out plays for the offensive line. The offensive line is basically just moving along, and then it, it puts more on the running back to have to read the play. But there's more like motion and misdirection is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a lot oh, of like sure. motion and fakes and stuff. But yeah, you're right. The blocking scheme is like they're not pulling guards and all that. I, but anyway, I, I um sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just had your thing about how, you know, these teams are, you know, they're running down the clock, they're trying to get out of these games as quick as possible. I was just wondering a hypothetical experiment. What if every NFL game started with the two coaches going out to midfield? And they wrote down on a piece of paper how many quarters they wanted to play. One, two, three, or four. So obviously the team that thinks they're the favorite, they're going to write down the most. They're going to write down four. But say like the Jets or whoever, these conservative coaches, they write down one. You have to do the lowest or the, sorry, the highest number written. So if one team wants to play four quarters, you're playing four. How many of these coaches do you think would both write down one quarter and they would just play a one quarter game? There's a few. If there weren't any like Mm. real, like, uh, um, like money impacts. Right. Stuff, yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, reputational I- impacts or things like if it was yeah. just their honest opinion, like yes. I bet there'd be a lot that would put one. I think there's about 15 season. coaches that would say one that would write one quarter down. Yeah. I think about 15 of them. Yeah. Just, I, I, I mean, it, it's like, at least then we wouldn't <laughs> waste our time. Right. It's like, we right. know you want to just get the fuck out of here and then we could just watch like and that's all, four quarters against the bills. That's all Pat's saying. And that's <laughs> all a lot of us are saying with relation to these offenses that are clearly not even like trying anymore. I mean, I'm not saying they're not trying. People take offense to that too. But what I hate is these, like these back and forth where people then start to say that they're a better football fan than you for pointing yeah. that out, Pat. And it's like, it's like, they think you're saying, like the, the concept of like chicks dig the long ball. Like I just want the, the deep passes. I just want to see the ball fly through the air and then it'll be caught and it'll be a long touchdown. Yeah. Like that's there's a lot of go play, there's a lot of go play Madden nerd takes. Uh, yeah, and it's like that's not what you're saying. <laughs> Jesus, it's a little bit you know more than that. There, I'm, well, there's yeah. I less to you know over over criticized people who love the run game. The there's some analytics guys who are also very irritated by this tweet, which I found uh, interesting as well. Because they're saying this isn't even a big shift. This is like four plays a game, which I also find rather confusing because have they been watching the games? Like we know what's happening. There's, there's a massive shift. There's a massive shift. And of course, if you take, it's an NFL NFL wide shift. So if you take anything and average across the 32 offenses, you're going, you know, it's, it's not, <laughs> it's not going to look like a giant, like you, you would have to have every single team shifting evenly. And then, yeah, sure. Maybe it's only a handful of plays. But we know what's happening. It's that a few more games each week are complete duds. And that's like really rough, you know, when you're watching all the games. And it's like, especially because this week we had so many more island games and and it happened to be a, a number of those that were the duds. So, you know, when you see like just a few more offenses going to complete shell and like, yeah, sure. Like the Chiefs and you know, that, the Bills were actually balanced last week. But a number of these like, like kind of high octane offenses aren't like shifting to the run necessarily. Um, you know, God bless the Ravens who uh who played a, a very pass heavy game and, and played to win with Tyler Huntley. Yeah. But uh, you know, a lot of these other teams are just packing it in. Yeah, Leone had a tweet about the Ravens pass rate <laughs> over expectation. I'll pull that up too. Go ahead, Gretch. I thought I thought you had a really good back and forth with Deontay Lee from PFF, who was the one who originally had the 
the comment that there hasn't been a single game that left them feeling like they uh, we didn't see enough passing. I mean, I yeah, I also with you and with you guys, you completely agree with that. There hasn't been a single uh, window, including uh, <laughs> including primetime games. I think where there hasn't been at least one game that I didn't think needed more passing all it- season. It, you know what? It's funny too, right? Because like you said, your point, like really efficient running games. Like if we were just watching, let's say even the 49ers just opening up these massive holes and they're ripping off 20 yard running chunk plays every other down, like I'll watch that. But most of the running we're watching is two and a half yards in a cloud of dust. Right, right. Like it's, right. it's not yeah. fun rushing. <laughs> but you guys had a good back and forth. And I thought Deontay had a really good point later where he said, you know, he, he was saying like, sort of like, this is not a you problem or something I expect fixed overnight, but the sport is going through a metamorphosis that will require more factors to be considered. Um, and he kind of like put that on analytics. I think I didn't really good. understand that. Cause he's saying we can't but, use analytics because of these defensive analytics, uh, right. but we can well, use these defensive analytics. It was I, like think the, I, I think, I think the broader point is, is that I he's acknowledging the sport is changing right now. And I don't think people realize that. And it, it drives people crazy. I think a little bit like, I mean, even like when we're sitting here yeah, talking about, true. I saw some other people replying to you, Pat, that like certain offenses are just more run heavy. Like that's not what's created the shift. That is not what's created the shift. Just a couple offenses making decisions. This is a actual thing that has changed with the, the the rate of too high. The league has gotten way more vertical. Remember like just three, four years ago when the Eagles were the air yards offense, right after they won the Super Bowl, Carson Wentz was airing it out a lot. It was right when air yards were starting to get big and like get a little more mainstream. That's when we first started talking about vertical offenses. We, obviously, Patrick Mahomes is a huge part of it. Josh Allen last year, and the Bills became you know even more more aggressive almost uh, as a downfield passing and, and vertical passing team than the Chiefs. The sport has kicked back now. There's defenses that are actively saying, we don't care if you run on us. We want to defend the pass. We now think it's more important to stop the pass than it is even if you're gaining five yards of carry, we're going to let you do that and we'll try to stop you in the red zone. You can move the ball up the field or you can try to convert third and ones and we'll, you know, we'll come out of our two by shell and third and ones. They're, they, it's like the whole league is doing bend, but don't break defenses. The, the ADOTs have come down. You know, we've talked about this a lot for a lot of, a lot of deep quarterbacks, their ADOTs have come down as they're the ones seeing the highest rates of two, two high safeties. There has to be some kind of counter punch for the offenses. There's definitely been a change though. And this is like, we, if you watch football over 20, 30 years, these changes happen every half decade, every decade. The shotgun was a thing, was not really a thing in like 2005. Then it started becoming a thing in 2010. It was massive by 2015, right? Three wide receiver sets was a, just a new thing in the last decade, right? I mean, fullbacks used to be the, the running backs that caught tons of passes. We didn't have theoretic types and pass catching backs 20 years ago. In, in around 2000, 2005, we had fullbacks catching 60 balls. You had Larry Centers. I mean, Tight ends in the 90s were not a thing in, in the passing game. I mean, they, they've become way more utilized. Like, things change in this sport. They always have. It's not – you don't have to go back that far. And this this season has definitely been, a, like, a metamorphosis season. And I, I feel like it's pretty obvious, right? Like, I, Yeah, I, I think it, there's definitely – so, like, there seems to be more run funnels than pass funnels. Like, just looking at my stuff, I have the Steelers, the Texans, the Raiders, the Bills, the Patriots – the Chargers, the Panthers is pretty big run funnels. Um, and then there's just some smaller ones behind them, like the the Vikings and the and the Bears. But then there are some pretty big pass funnels as well. Uh, the Buccaneers, obviously, Washington, Baltimore has turned into a massive pass funnel. The Titans, the Dolphins, then it falls off a bit. But it's actually kind of interesting last week that the pass funnel defenses were going up against teams that don't want to pass or aren't very good at passing. Like, you know, the Bucs were playing the Saints, Washington's playing the Eagles, 
Baltimore was the one exception, which was part of the reason that was a fun game. Uh, the Titans playing the Steelers, Dolphins playing the Jets. So it kind of in that way was a perfect storm where all the pass funnels are going up against bad offenses, uh, bad passing offenses specifically. And then a lot of the run funnel teams were going up against teams that were willing but to run against them. I mean, that that makes sense for this week, that you're looking more in a micro sense. Like in a macro sense, do you – I mean, I'm seeing the comments here like uh, Receive Fisher, our buddy. Yeah, since ever, ever since the cover two was invented, the sport has changed. Someone else says great comment. Everyone has these snarky responses. Like, obviously, I understand the cover two has been around since, you know, a long time ago. I mean, the Tampa two was a huge thing in Tony Dungy in 2000 era. The point is the way that they're playing two deep shells is different now. They are they are actively trying to take away the deep pass. They're not committing as many numbers to the run. They are giving run fronts more frequently. Is that not true? Am I wrong? On I that? don't know that. I don't think I think the two deep shell thing might be a bit overstated. But I don't think that because there's like ways there's different ways to get there. Like the Raiders don't play too deep, but they they're a run funnel. So like there's different. I think there's I think your larger point is correct that teams are. I think more teams are willing to say you can run on me, but not pass on me. But I think that the too high thing has been mostly like a KC narrative that people are now applying to like the larger defenses. And a lot of these teams, like I don't think that. New England's a too high shell team. I, the Raiders certainly aren't. Um, so I think there's there's more than one way. Like if you watch the Raiders, like yeah, the the, the Chiefs light them up, but uh, they believe they're a big cover three team, I believe. But yeah. you know they they have they they kind of play like the ultra deep pass, but not like the intermediate deep pass. And so Mahomes can can find guys like medium deep, but there's there's safeties behind them and stuff. Um, but, you know, when you're in that cover and they have a great pass rush, so teams want to avoid that. And the easiest thing is to run on them. So, uh, I, I yeah, I think there's more than one way to uh, to try to limit the passing game. Um, Yes, let's – I don't actually watch football, so I wouldn't know. I, uh, I feel you on that one. Um. Let's see here. What uh, what is on your on your guys's mind heading into week well, now sixteen? Well, was just talking about the uh, evolving X's sport. And yeah, I know. Yes, yeah, so the evolving like... sport for <laughs> I did. I mean, you can you can pop in the Twitter thread. There's there's some there's like a thread for whatever angle you want to get on this. There's a there's a good thread on it. Some guys said I, I shout like, to you. As I don't well, know that right? I I have the answers correct with my big rant right there. I yeah. do think we are going through a change right now, and like. That's sort of why I was just talking about like historical. There, there have been changes that have changed the way that offenses have run, teams have played. There's punches, there's counter punches, offense, defense. I do think we're like this season, and it's after about like four, five, six weeks. You know, something the defenses are doing shifted because so many offenses look different since then, and it's not just like them making conscious decisions. Yeah, I think so, and I think part of it is I think some. Um... It, it feels like some teams are sort of responding. Like if you're having trouble passing, what do you do? And like, you see, you know, if, if there's ever any trouble with the Vikings passing, they just run the crap out of the ball. They just go ultra run heavy. If Pete Carroll's ever having trouble, you know, if, if Russ Wilson doesn't look on, he's going to run the crap out of the ball and he's going to run the crap out of the ball on first and 10 and then set, set Russell up for, you know, harder throws and everything. So I think part of it too, is like the, the focus on stopping the pass on the defensive side might not even have to be all that intense to get some coaches to shift quickly to the run because they don't want to, they just don't want to be like going into a headwind when they're passing. 
You know what I mean? Like as soon yeah. as they face any resistance, they're like, okay, cool. I'll run the ball. Whereas I think like some teams like the chiefs, the bills, the bucks before all the injuries, we'll see how they play it. But they're much more ideologically committed to know we're going to beat you. And even the Packers actually are, are like a solidly pass first team. They just are, you know, they're usually winning. So they run a lot, but uh, they, they are quite uh, tilted to the pass in terms of pass rate of expected, but there's a number of teams that are just like, this is how we beat you. And, and they're pretty consistent about it. Let's see here. Uh, Jameson uh, wants an update on our ship chasing squads. So our NFC team is still holding on for first and looking pretty good, right? Because we're great. hopefully getting Kelsey, uh, hopefully getting AJ Brown back tomorrow, which uh, someone was Evans talking about in the chat. DeAndre Swift, we're supposed to get back. So, I mean, it yeah, seems like we're so trending the, in the right direction. We, we have the 15, 16, 17 total points playoff plus your average of the regular season. Obviously, I mean, you're talking about the top four, like highest score. So our average for the regular season, it's just a 12-team league. So our average for the regular season was, uh, I think it was like seven points higher than the fourth place team. You know, we were, we were first in scoring, but we didn't have like a big edge there, right? It was a very narrow edge. But we're now up 34 points on second place and uh, more than 50 on the other two teams. And so we had a really good week this week and have extended that, you know, narrow edge we had coming into the three-week shootout to a pretty significant edge after the first week. We have Kelsey, who had an awesome week. We have Jonathan Taylor, who had an awesome week. We also have, like, Chase and a couple dudes who did nothing. Uh, Bateman, we started, did nothing. But uh, Jeff Wilson was on our lineup. A couple, couple good plays. Debo Samuels on our team. So we actually had one of the few, you know, like a lot of my other teams in the main event stuff did not have good weeks. But this team had Taylor, and it had Kelsey, and it had some guys that actually scored some points. So we are in a good spot uh, with two weeks to go. That one is going to be fun to track. We, Pat, you are looking at our other sweats are in KFFSC and the football guys. How are we looking over there? KFFSC, we're, uh, we won the league, so now we're in like the championship round. I think we're, we're 103rd over there. Um, so I don't know how many teams are actually in this, but. We had a pretty bad week 15. We only scored 77.65 points, which is rough. Uh, we did score 183 points in week 14. And this this goes four weeks. It's a four-week sprint. Um, so we were looking really good after the week 14, but a bit rough after last week. Yeah, we can probably survive that. And then uh, what about FBG? FBG, we came out pretty slow uh, in week 15, 99-point week, um, you know, which is not what you not what you're looking for. Did, but we we won our regular season though in that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this I, is the championship round. And I don't know if we announced that. Uh, so we did win that, which means next year's quad managed uh, or Penta managed draft will be a main uh, instead of a, a football guys there. So yeah, it's exciting. Um, and then I see uh, Jonathan wanted me to uh, pull up a couple best ball teams. I, I only had two teams advance in the BBM two. Um, it seemed like most people were who, who had max. That was about the most. I think I'd seen, did someone get four through? I saw 
which sounded pretty good to me. Um, one of them is a team I drafted with Bime for on the stream on my YouTube channel is this one, which is a zero RB team, Dak Prescott, Mac Jones, Tony Pollard, Sony, Michelle, Rashad Penny, Mostert out for the year, Alexander Madison, James Connor, then wide receiver. We got the Cowboys stack Gallup in lamb. We have MBS and Devonte Adams. We have Jamar chase, Gabriel Davis and Rondell Moore, and then Keenan Allen as well. Hunter Henry, Kyle Pitts. So I'm excited about this team just because it's so unique based on a lot of the combos of players that have gotten people through like cup and, and Jonathan Taylor. So just having a, a unique roster, I think will be pretty important this week. Yeah. I like this. I like this team a lot. Uh, the Sony Michelle one could be really nice. Like you're, you're kind of like you have paths to uh, you have like leverage spots, even this week still, you have like all of the, Taylor. You have like all the like second tier, like good plays that aren't quite league winners. Like Hunter Henry right. is a dude that has been like really good this year, but you know, we're not talking about him as a league winner, right? Right, exactly. And the funny thing is, is when you do a draft on stream, you remember a lot more of these moments. And we had our last round pick of Sony Michelle, and we were debating Kendrick Bourne with Mac Jones or Sony Michelle to round out our zero RB, who at the time was on the Patriots. So we were making a little team correlation there. Uh, and Eric talked me into Michelle over, uh, over Kendrick board for this roster. That has proved to, uh, to break pretty nicely for us there. Very nicely. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many dudes on this team. Like MVS has had a good year. Keenan Allen. I mean, it has done, you know, sort of what, ex what you'd expect, but like Tony Pollard's another example of a dude that like his standalone value has been stronger than I think people expected. James Connor, obviously much stronger. So many, yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, I was a fan, and it was stronger than I expected for sure. Right. There's so many dudes that it's like that they're they're not hitting their 95th percentile, but they're hitting their 75th percentile, and that's nice. Yeah, and this team also has some of those correlations that I was prioritizing. So you know that Arizona, uh, week 16 matchup versus Dallas. So have you know the the Dallas double stack with the James Conner. Uh, Rondell Moore bring back um, that kind of stuff could break right if we get a shootout game there and then this is my other team this is the one uh, I had showed you guys at Leone uh, getting very excited because this one has Ronald Jones on it of course and it has Brashad Perriman so you know some of our favorites oh, from this summer <laughs> yeah we need we need Kelsey to get back off the COVID list here this Man, is a is more Swift gonna play Pat what do you what do you have on Swift I kind of think he might. He was back at practice today. And, you know, that's a pretty good sign on a Wednesday. I assume he was limited. I didn't see what his final report. I mean, he must have been limited. But, uh, you know, if he gets three limiteds in, three limiteds in uh, he, could play, he could totally play. That'd be real nice. Real nice. For a lot um, of teams. <laughs> for a lot of teams, yeah. <laughs> NFC a lot of people would like that as well. I mean, yeah. it is It is crazy. Like, if we see... Um, what like a, a, a just a normal Cooper Cup week? Like so many of those teams, when you look at the Cooper Cup rosters, are just you know, dude, put the team on his back and like, yeah, 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 not a lot. You didn't have to hit the nuts around Cooper Cup like you have to on rosters without him. And so if we if you get a bad Cooper Cup game in Week 15, like the texture of the team, sorry, in 16, the texture of the teams in the final will be wild. Yeah, I almost think like you want you know, Cooper cup to have a pretty good game, not an insane game to where you had to have them, but a right. pretty good game to where you're still looking at a lot of Cooper cup teams in the final. And then that's where you want the Cooper cup done. Cause yeah. like you said, a lot of those teams are 
they're, you know, they're going to be weaker than overall than the non-Cooper Cup teams. This is our team, Pete. Do you have another one up? Uh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. This is the one with Sean chasing stolen bananas that made the main event. We had a really rough week as well. We have Kyler, hmm. Saqu- but this team has Swift as well. That you know, wait, Waddle. This team made the main event. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Been, I didn't. We just haven't talked. We about lost it in the all. semis, but it, it yeah. got in. It was second in points. It got in on the, points. Yeah, yeah. yeah the I missed top, that. The top Congrats. record got in on points, and so we got in on points. But yeah, I mean, a, a team that has firepower. I mean, we, we went three running backs this week, which is a little embarrassing, especially because Devontae Freeman did nothing, and we had uh, DJ Moore on our bench scoring, you know, a little bit more. Uh, and Devin Singletary wasn't one of the three that we played. I mean, this team has some some outs, but like Waddle being out, Swift being out, we need these dudes that actually have upside to be um, to be back. Jamar Chase can't score one point three points. It's probably not going to win anything after an eighty four, but it could. Uh, it, it, I mean, it's still everyone had down weeks. It seems like it. It yeah. also hurts too because like this team. All year, Waddle and Gesicki were were the unsung heroes, or or maybe they were properly sung. Uh, but they they carried carried that team there with with Parker yeah. out for a long stretch, and then you know things swing back in that other direction. You would have hoped that Gesicki could have taken advantage of the no Waddle week a little bit more against the Jets too. You know, yeah, yeah. and and even like you would have hoped that Kyler wouldn't have had sixteen points against the Lions. Like what the hell? I mean, he was second to last stand out. His EPA per play was second worst on the week against the Lions. It's crazy. Yeah. It does seem like, have you guys noticed, I just feel, and and maybe this is partly myself projecting a little bit, but I feel like whether it's just from, you know, season long fatigue or the amount of injuries and, and randomness this year that people just feel like dejected. There's almost like this fantasy football. Like I, I'm just feeling that right now. Are you seeing that at all? Oh, this is the longest season ever. I mean, this yeah. is, <laughs> That's, I said to you guys in the chat, Stagel's this is bit. the Titanic 84 year, uh, it's been 84 yeah. years gift, is this season. I mean, we had the extra yeah. week, number one. Like, to me, my body, I, like, I've done stealing signals for five years now. My body thinks it's over. We're done. This is it. <laughs> my I, it body. knows. My body knows. It's like, like it's a, a menstrual it's, cycle. It's like I got, a 28 I got muscle memory. Moment. I've done 16 weeks, it's over. Or 15 <laughs> weeks, it's over. Yeah. And then the yeah. other thing is these huge shifts that we talked about. The fact that all these really exciting pass offices for the first five weeks suddenly yeah. weren't. So many trends from the first five weeks suddenly weren't there anymore every well, player has been relevant we're even getting ronald jones coming out of nowhere for the last little stretch it's going to be exciting that is sustaining <laughs> me i have to say uh it, it has been so t- i think the Bengals are the team that's bumming me out the most because like they were trending toward the past they've got burrow they've got chase they've got higgins emerging higgins was like you know for so long we were like he should be he should be paying off he should be paying off and he wasn't and then he did he's and he's having a great season now like truly a great season still not as great as it could be if they passed more and Boyd Boyd's like, you know, very solid, but they're just like, they're just, I don't know what it is. They're just so conservative. I think maybe they're worried they can't protect Burrow. Obviously, you know, they're, their blocking is not very good. And he did just tear his ACL because of terrible blocking last year. So I, I do understand it to some extent, but at the same time, like you could be beating teams asses if you unleash Burrow. Uh, and we really need it right now. Bengals, the league needs it. This this feels like seven seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, I'll read it out loud. 
for the audio people, uh, Mark Flowers says after week four, people really thought Kyler and Mike Williams were league winners. Feels like forever ago. I, 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 I'm sure all of us wrote about this. I remember writing about Mike Williams, like the flipping happened. Mike Williams is the new alpha yeah. wide receiver. And, and then it was not the case. No, no, he's uh, I, I think this is off the top of my head, but I, I mentioned it today on a good football show, but I think he was wide receiver 42 in yards per route run since, uh, since week eight. It's been, but he's that. one of the guys that got hit the most. But I mean, Justin Herbert's ADOT is one of the best examples of that trend. Uh, I mean, I know league-wide, Pat, we talked about it. You pulled it up. The league-wide shift hasn't been that much. But there are some of the most vertical passers that, that just immediately created around the same time of the year, around week five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, although Her- Herbert's always kind of had a low ADOT. It's an interesting thing. He's an interesting passer where, like, his ADOT's never really that high. But he challenges deep enough to where offenses have to respect that. And obviously he's got a cannon. But then he a lot of his work is short and intermediate. So that's where he like that's where he eats up yards and then he'll hit you, he'll crush you deep if you leave it open. But like the you know, Jalen Guyton, as we see with Jalen Guyton, I mean it's like one every you know, he's had a, a nice little stretch here recently, but it's not very frequent um that he's actually even targeting his his like designated all you do is go deep threat in Jalen Guyton. Yeah. But I mean, I agree with you. I mean, uh, Herbert is not always, ha- has not typically had a really high dot, but um, I mean, I, I just pull up his weekly dots. like week nine, he had a season low his first game under six all year. Mm-hmm. And then week 10, he was under six and even lower and week 11, he was under six and even lower. He was at, you know, all the way down to 5.3. Like, there was a stretch and it's, it's built back up and it's built back up for a few passers, but there's this stretch this like week six, mm. seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 stretch this season where a lot of these offenses, a lot of these QBs, they start throwing underneath more. It, I don't think it's a coincidence that Cooper cup has been like an underneath passer. Hunter Renfro has come out of nowhere to be like this huge guy. Like some of these underneath targets are the ones that are crushing. And then the Mike Williams are the ones that were like, this guy's going to hit, but like air guards have not been a big thing this year. I mean, it, like it just has not. Yeah. Well, I also wonder uh, if some, to some extent, maybe, you know, it, it's coaching trees as well um, because like you, you're dealing with, um, I don't know how much like less of it. I'd be, be interesting to look at, right. Cause you used to, I think have more of kind of the North Turner style offense, like that old school, like Cowboys style um, offense with, I mean, obviously Scott Turner's running the Washington offense. And I, there's some, there's some of that left. But that's generally a more vertical offense than uh, than some of the West Coast stuff that's that's proliferated. Um, some of the Shanahan stuff's not quite so vertical. So I don't know. That would be kind of interesting to look at if like there's you know on the offensive scheme side if there's just like less vertical design. Yeah. Are you? Do you guys have? I mean, I know that this is just piggybacking on off the conversation that we're all exhausted. But do you guys have like some data projects or stuff that you're really itching to dive into this off season or stuff you want to look into closer? I got a whole fucking fourteen page Google Doc of notes and stuff that I that I get into in the off season. But yeah, I just make I make notes constantly like that. Yeah, what does anything notes come to mind? I forget a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, that's why I used to do it that way. Yeah, I think it's smart to, to write stuff down. Uh, um, yeah, very super plus EV. I mean, let me go. Let me go try to scan through it. I wish I could find something easy. Um, 
Hmm. <laughs> you guys should talk about something else while I try to read. Well, I, I've had one, but I can't. There's. It's been tough to get the data. Um, and I was talking to Kevin uh, about maybe him being able to pull the data from FFPC, but we'll see. Mm. But I, I'd love to look at um, startable points and like where you can find points that were started in the draft. So not just, uh, you know, because like, I think that would help distill the conversation around like running backs and wide receivers a little bit more, you know, cause it's, like, we're talking about like points per game and all that, but it's like, ultimately like where did points that were in people's starting lineups for that week come from? Hmm. Yeah. I just passed all your guys. Great feedback. Uh, in our chat about how I'm going to structure stealing signals last year. That's in my notes. I copied that down. <laughs> um, uh, Sam, this is actually a good, this is a good talking point as, you know, especially as guys who are drafting a lot of Judy and Claypool in IU. Sam says one random thing to call out this year, a bit of a face plant from the second year wide receivers, aside from Justin Jefferson in CD lamb, which is, is totally true. I mean, we could even add Visca into that conversation. Oh, yeah. Higgins I mean, has been fine. He got yeah, Higgins him and, and now he's hitting. He, Higgins was one of the other biggest names in that group. Judy's yeah. Judy's struggled for sure. Higgins Higgins was a tale of two season. Cause he was kind of hurting you the, the first half. Yeah, he was, he was but, but, he was but the volume was there. The yeah. Volume was there all season. And now he's which, had four. Uh, what is it? Oh, 300 yard games in his last four. Yeah, Pittman's actually been Pitt, very good. Pittman, yeah. I, I mean, when you factor in draft costs, Mooney? Pittman too. Pittman Mooney's been, been very good. Yeah, Mooney's Mooney's had some nice games. Yeah, uh, but Mooney, that that situation. kind of fifth round, yeah. that Judy Ayuk Claypool has been has been rough. That's true. Yeah. Although Ayuk now is coming on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Claypool's tough because, like, we're. I think I feel very confident in kind of the underlying like thesis of the play with Claypool, he's delivered. I think there's kind of like guys who were fantasy bus and guys who might be bus, right? Like there's two different categories here. And I think Claypool is like not at all a bust as like a real NFL player. I think he's really, really good. I'm surprised we haven't mentioned Van Jefferson yet, but he has. <laughs> oh, oh, there he is in the chat. There he is. You got it. You got it. Hat for me. Yes, we have the uh, the chat is on top. Oh man, we got one. Yeah, we got multiple Van Jefferson comments here. Well, Ben, Ben, you will be so tilted to know. Uh, I'm in the semifinals of one of my dynasty leagues, and I've had Van Jefferson on the taxi squad ever since I drafted him. I got him like late in the fourth round because all the analysts where He's everyone great. was out on van jefferson i have Jefferson too because he was free yeah he was free i i hadn't I mean, needed ben to dropped him, him in the league <laughs> <laughs> hey i mean you got to do it for the brand but i elevated him from the taxi squad finally because i was like i, I got to get this guy in my in my starting lineup he's just too good gretch yeah i mean he's on uh i was looking at uh some of chad's teams he's on a lot of the cocktails and drinks starting lineups in the main event so obviously some people know some stuff yeah i mean is there what do you think? I mean, it seems like at least recently Van Jefferson and Odell's production has been like correlated. Like they've both been, you know, scoring in these games. I mean, do you think Odell is good for Van Jefferson or would Van Jefferson benefit from not having Odell there and getting a few more targets? I think he'd be better off without Odell. Probably well, higher it, floor for it sure. It was interesting this week that 
Beckham, I mean, they both ran a ton of rounds. They both over 90% rounds. But, but Jefferson was at 100%. Beckham was at 94 or whatever. But Beckham was at 76% snaps. I just think it's interesting that he's the one coming off the field in two receiver sets where they're like they're planning to run, obviously, because Beckham's routes routes rate is still like 94%. That's the key. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, anything other than that. But the fact that Beckham's snaps were so far down, I did think was interesting because I thought Beckham would come in and immediately be the clear second receiver even if he's not as good of a pass blocker or whatever i thought he would be like get that deference you know and jefferson is the one like still playing a lot which i think is pretty interesting yeah um the uh evan had been wanting us to talk about aj brown uh coming back this week he hasn't officially been activated yet right well let's no. Let's finish the rookie, the second year conversation. Oh, yeah. Real quick. Sam had another comment here that I thought was interesting. Um, talking about how guys where the second year breakout may have been like baked in or overly baked in, potentially with Visca, Ayuk, Claypool, Judy. And then the others at a discount um, were hits, which I think is true to an extent. But I think Ben's point about T. Higgins and also actually the two most expensive guys were the biggest hits. I mean, Justin Jefferson, obviously. CD lamb. Um, so I, th- I think it's, I mean, the viscous stuff, you have the, the major issue that he might not be good. And then you also have the Jaguars offense being an absolute implosion. Then with Ayuk, you know, you got all the doghouse stuff. We didn't know that Debo was this good. The, he gave us evidence that he might be this good, but we didn't, I don't think anyone thought he was this good. He looks like a superstar. Kittle's obviously still Kittle. So he's having trouble getting the target share. And then Judy, the offense is mostly flopped. And Claypool, the offense is mostly flopped. So I think, like, maybe the takeaway would be to, like, avoid going overweight on the second-year breakouts where you think the the offense could just completely tank. But, you know, that would have gotten you off of McLaurin and his breakout. Um, that You know, there so that would have gotten you off Shark in his second-year breakout. So... Yeah, it's a, it's kind of like something to keep in mind for sure. Um, but I get the point too, though, because I think when, can't you argue that? I mean, Jefferson and CD Lamb both fully broke out as rookies to where it's like, yes, you were paying more, but Jefferson, you had already but seen it. You were paying, you were paying um, a premium for CD Lamb. True. I I think the question no. Uh, were you? I yeah. I think that he was I mean, going by the end of draft he was going well ahead of what he'd earned via production. Yeah, by the by production. the end or like in in July he was like a three four turn, and I don't think that was that far ahead. I mean, I mean, what I think, like I you could actually outproduce CD Lamb as a rookie, for example, right? I mean, okay. he had a more more points per game as a rookie, I believe. Well, I mean, there's ways to look at that, though. But, like, what, what Lane yeah, was yeah. doing with Dak healthy. Right, one, right. Like, that's a I mean, it was easy to see, like, you want C.D. Lamar, right? You got it. Right. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, but what, what, Pete, what I think you're – what you were saying about Jefferson and Lane breaking out is a good point. But also, like, even, even like, Jefferson was probably undervalued. And, like, I think the whole point yeah. of second-year receivers is that we don't actually fully know what they are yet. And this was a year where, like, yes, the top end are the ones that continue to ascend – and and a lot of those middle round guys didn't continue to ascend. And then we have some others that we're talking about that maybe sort of did or didn't or whatever. It's different every year, obviously. Right. But this was a year where it was still profitable to be in and on it. I think theoretically, especially if you were on Jefferson, I mean, Jefferson, like 
honestly, Jefferson can have so many more fantasy points than he does. Like he's the guy who has left yeah. the most fantasy points on the field and he's having a phenomenal year. But my main point is like, there's a lot of people that won't draft dudes that haven't broken out yet. It's another reason that we like rookies. It's another reason, you know, you want to get guys before they break out. You don't want to pay for past production. That whole ethos. I mean, it hasn't been a great year for anything, but I think there's definitely examples that that support that this year. And I'm not going to like be off of it based on this year, you know? And, and one of my takeaways from it, and I know this isn't like as fun as the kind of the player take and the breakout metrics and stuff like that, but just being extremely price sensitive with these. And if you're drafting all summer, like we were, there were a lot of times where you'd see these guys flip like early on Jamar chase was going ahead of T Higgins. And so I kind of thought that was crazy. I was happy to buy T Higgins at the slight discount. Then we saw after those preseason games, it swung too far the other direction. Yeah. And we I were hammered chase then. Yeah. We were hammering chase late fifth on underdog mid fifth in the FFPC drafts. And it was like how I thought about their probabilities to be like the alpha on the Bengals or have a really good season didn't change. They're just their price changed. And so then you take advantage of that. And, and the other one, and you got to give credit to Sean too, because I was a little slow to adjust to the Debo stuff. And thankfully you guys, you know, toward the end of FFPC season got me on a way more Debo, but like I was chasing Iuke up into the mid fourth and that should have been my like canary in the coal mine. All right. The gap between Iuke and Debo is now getting too big um, where the yeah. overconfidence on Iuke here is not warranted. And so being price sensitive to me is like my personal biggest takeaway with those situations. Me, Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, Sam, says maybe being a little more skeptical of the hype guys like this guy. I mean, I, that's a great idea for you, Sam, but like we can't really do that <laughs> as, as being the ones playing the highlight reel and everything. But uh, it, that sounds like a, a, a super plus EV move for you. Uh, but I think one of the things I want to do is look at some of the guy, like specific groups, sec- let's say second year wide receivers for this conversation and go through the profiles and kind of peg them in the draft, like where I think they slot in, in terms of, you know, this guy looks like, you know, a guy that we should be taking in the, in the, you know, first 24 picks. Or this is a guy that looks more like, you know, a sixth to, to eighth rounder. And just like kind of give myself that kind of like analytical starting point on like the breakout profile. Cause then you're going to layer the product, you're going to layer the projections on top of that. You're going to layer the ADP on top of that. You're going to layer your own hype and bias as the season goes on. You love drafting a certain guy. And so I kind of want to just like with uh, with all of that, like still like far off in the distance, give myself like a little bit more of a roadmap about where I think these guys slot in just based on the second year breakout, which is going to be what they did as rookies and what we thought of them as prospects. Right, because the whole idea with the second year breakout, right, is you are trying, you're saying the market is undervaluing the upside or the leap that these guys could make. But sometimes when, you know, Ayuk is a good example of getting pushed up into the mid fourth on that. It's like, what is the realistic spot, you know, without Kittle injuries or Debo injuries or the running game kind of shifting where he can pay this off. Sure. There was a little meat on the mode bone, but the margin of error starts to really shrink with some of those ADPs. Yeah. And also like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kicking myself a little bit cause I was still drafting I mean, I did, I did start to draft more Debo, but mostly because Debo was so cheap. Yeah. Um, and, but I was still in on Ayuk, but at the same time, like I traded Ayuk away, um, in one of my dynasty leagues, I was shopping him in another and mostly just cause I thought like, 
he could, you know, I like Ayuk, but this, you know, I could see him falling off a little bit from here. Uh, I wanted to get back into the rookie class, et cetera. I really like Bateman. I got Bateman in one of those moves. Um, but I don't know. Why didn't I connect that a little bit more to like, hey, then maybe take the foot off the, the gas on on drafting Bateman or drafting a, uh, drafting Ayuk. I think a big a big response on a lot of those situations is going to be that we want guys in good offenses, which has always been a thing, you know. But I think that's going to be like one of the big themes of the twenty twenty two offseason, where like, I mean, whether it's Chase or Higgins, like we knew we wanted a Bengal Cup yeah. came out of a Rams offense. We knew we wanted parts of, or like they were going high, right? All the different Rams. Um, the Debo Ayuk stuff was a discussion point all offseason. People knew they wanted parts of the Rams or the, the 49ers offense, right? Like most of the best players came from offenses that we knew were probably going to be good offenses for fantasy. And then a lot of the picks from offenses that kind of fell fell off, like those picks have fallen off, right? Like a, a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of teams that have just not been very good. And so like, I, I yeah. don't know, like, Jefferson has emerged ahead of Thielen. And, and like th- these situations where the, we didn't know which receiver it was, one has emerged. I think the idea next year for a lot of people will be like uh, Lamb and, and Cooper and all them were, were one for Dallas. Lamb never really emerged totally ahead of them, but it's just another example where I think people are going to plant a flag more on those types of things. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What you, Claypool, I think, is an interesting one um, in that maybe – the kind of the big Ben, you know, falling off the cliff risk, like also wasn't baked in enough to that because it was like almost like a little bit more of a three leg parlay, like one chase Claypool, what he's flashed, like he has to deliver and expand on that and actually be really good Two, He has to like beat out Deontay Johnson and Juju talented wide receivers for targets and three, their quarterback is on like the last leg of his career. I'm just looking back at that and wondering if there there were more red flags there, even knowing that there are scenarios where Claypool balls out this year in in various ones of those scenarios. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that's totally fair. Uh, it's tough. My thing with Claypool, it's tough. Like, I think I'm probably going to be quite overweight on Claypool next year given that he, even with everything you said, he has 2.0 yards per outrun this year, which is very good, you know? And he and he was above two last year. He's, like, not that far behind, you know, C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins. He's actually having he, – and he's also not very far behind Deontay Johnson, by the way, is at 2.12. 2. He's having a really, really good season. It's just kind of a fantasy dud because of the offense that he's in. So that's one where, like, if we get a discount on – Claypool next year, even I mean, I think it sounds like Roth is going to. Where do you think he goes? Going to retire, but uh, I think he'll go. I think he'll go around where Debo went this year. Okay, then I'm in on that. I didn't. You I think we get? Uh, I, I think I so. Think goes, if he goes eighth, ninth, I mean, Debo is going like eighth. No, more like football. seventh, right? Seventh. I think. Yeah, but still, six, I mean, six seventh. Yeah, still. And he probably will. I mean, I think you're not wrong because Deontay will be the clear one in that offense now. There'll be a gap. I mean, part of the reason this year was like, it's another great example of the point I was trying to make. I don't know if I made it well, but like the Steelers were one that we knew we liked. All three of their receivers were going in the top 10 rounds, right? And Deontay has been really, really good. And that's been part of the issue with Claypool as well. And next year there's going to be a gap, but it's going to feel like I use Debo a little bit, right? I mean, like that's your point. Yeah. And they're not probably that big of a gap. Yeah. 
Deontay's really good at drawing. Deontay's really good at drawing targets. Jonathan wants Mac to know what we're drinking. I've done, I've done Mac and Jacks before. Told you guys this is. Uh, is that a Lazy Lion NFT on the on the can there? Dude, you should no. sell that right now. <laughs> <laughs> ben, Ben is so pure. He probably doesn't even know what. Dude, Lazy don't hold Lion the top NFTs. on that. Uh, I've, I've heard it. I, I've heard you say it in your uh, in your videos. And stuff. You I don't know about Lazy knows. Lions, by the way. So I'm not trying to fund them. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anything. I. Uh, I uh, was uh, starting to pull together some clips. I just want to make like a highlight video from all my shows from the year. And uh, some guys in the discord were giving me suggestions on moments. And one of them was the top shot brain episode. And I went and downloaded that. And I felt like such a dick watching that back. Just like my eyes glazed over, like Gretch tried to talk to us uh, that I have the clip. You watch it back? Yeah, because I grabbed the, I went downloaded the clip uh, for for the video, and it was just like what we put you through. Top shot brain. Yeah, (laughs) is that (laughs) video out there somewhere? Well, I'm gonna. It'll be in the year end highlight video that I'll put out in a few weeks. Perfect. Uh, Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was. uh, I can't believe we're we're coming up. Was it that obvious? Yes. (laughs) That you guys were. Well, you guys were waiting for me to like. We had set up like changing like the screen share and like a tab, and then like I just never did it. And you guys are like, are you gonna do it? God damn it, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was that's right. I forgot. It's like giving you crap. Yeah. And then I tried to talk about uh I think it was uh the Chargers OC or something, Joe Lombardi, and I like couldn't remember his name. And that's when Ben lost it on me. <laughs> <laughs> this was like the second week of Top Shot being big. Like the first week, it was like leading up to our show, and you guys were still thinking about ship chasing. But then after that ship chasing, you just did not think about football from that ship chasing to the next ship chasing. And then you came yep. on <laughs> because it had already crashed. The funny thing about that, <laughs> that too, was we had made that decision like literally like two weeks before of like, we want to go year round with ship chasing. You know, previously we had taken off, you know, the the spring basically uh, until about July. And this year we're like, nope, we're going year round ship chasing every week. And then boom, like the first episode, Top Shot hits. And we're like, well, you Top Shot's booting. NBA moments instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh shout out to God. all the, the those of you who have uh, not gotten into NFTs and have still hung around and uh, dealt with all of our random references uh, throughout the year. We appreciate your your patience here. Well, um, I, mean, I barely know anything about real NFTs. So I know <laughs> you're a top shot like, whale, dude. I'm not you even have heavy. Yeah, well, that's why I say real real NFTs. I, <laughs> I do the one with the that's just held by a central authority. Did you and uh, did you get your stimmy? You had to have gotten your stimmy. Oh, I, didn't, I don't even know. Check your Dapper wallet. There's money in there. They did 5% Sweet. net marketplace spend uh, gift back to all users. And I all don't right, think dude. you had sold a ton. So you probably have a nice little nest egg in there. The light the light changing is uh, on my face. Is, is the, Wait, are we is redoing? To the end, maybe top shot. Are, we, are we redoing? The, I'm just the telling Pat that Brent. he probably has like a couple thousand dollars in his Dapper. Yeah, wallet this isn't top shot brain, Ben. This is, I might have a couple thousand dollars <laughs> to my account that I'd like to see if it's their brain. <laughs> <laughs> this is money brain. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, do you guys want to do. Uh, oh, shit. I, I have not thought of Omni Fantasy in a while. That'll be yeah, fun. talk about talk about yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, wow, is, I, it, is it February? I don't think about it during football season, so let's not talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did update the scoring a while back. I want it for all our ship chasing leagues. 
I want to um, get a little of like leaderboard going at some point. I know I I can get into your guys' leagues that you guys hosted that I'm not in and, and just like because we said that there would be like an overall winner. We yeah. gotta figure out what we even said, but we do um, have to figure out what we said. Yeah, I we I'm pretty sure I know I have money that I'm holding for my individual league. And I am too for a couple people. Uh not I think maybe a third of my league has paid. We're gonna donate yeah, the I other half to the right. to the um to to Wes's fund, right? Uh what's yes. it link fund? Yeah. Um and then the winner is it the maybe the winner of each individual or the winner of the overall three leagues? Like we were gonna do so, and we're gonna crown a ship chasing champion. Whoever has the most points in all three leagues is gonna be the this year's ship chasing champion, and we'll see if we can make that a little bigger in future. And so years. when does this cool. calendar contest end for this year? It ends on the Super Bowl. Every year goes through the Super Bowl. Okay. So what we have left now, uh I believe all we have left is college football, NFL, and tennis, we use the Australian Open for the following year because it occurs before the Super Bowl. It's in January because they have you know summer, different months mm. in Australia. Um, Hassan knows all about this. We should ask him. But um, we do we do the first th- the, the the final three majors of the year, and then the the fourth major for Omni Fantasy is the next year's Australian in January. So, but. Tennis is basically Medvedev, decided. Dude. Nice pick, Pete. That's such a sweet pick. Did yeah, he's been good. Yeah, we watched a lot of Medvedev. Medvedev highlights back in. The, oh yeah, like, yeah. Remember. He's like all impressed. lanky and stuff, yeah. he, he, but he can move around. Quick. But Djokovic is uh, has already locked up the eighty points for Omni Fantasy for tennis because he won two of the majors and mm. I think got second in the other one. So even if Medvedev wins the Australian, he can't catch Djokovic because it's a, a cumulative total for the four majors. Uh, so Djokovic is the the 80 there. It's like there's not going to be a lot of shuffling in tennis is what I'm getting at. Yeah. So it's going to come down to NFL teams and NCAA teams. So you guys can go check your standings and and uh, kind of. Yeah, we should say because we're getting some questions about what this even is. It's uh, it's called Omni Fantasy and you pick the winners of various sports throughout the year. Um, so you're not picking players. You're picking. I mean, in the case of tennis, you are because there's no teams. It's just players. But in everything else, you're just picking uh teams and then it's scored based on if you get the the league winner second place third place etc right so you're picking teams uh, go to the draft go to uh yeah draft oh oh yeah this is that's right we don't have like a grid but so yeah that's what a draft looks like the lakers were the first pick Djokovic was the second pick the chiefs then some college football teams every draft's going to be different but you have a, a ton of different leagues you can take the top team and whatever league you want, or you can take, you know, take the second highest team if you're in. The- and it's fun. Cause there's strategy where like, it's actually interesting cause the NBA didn't really work like this, but the Lakers were very high. The nets were very high. Cause like the idea is that the NBA is generally going to be more predictable. The NFL is going to be less predictable. And there's kind of, I mean, Ben knows all the, the nuance on that type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've written, I wrote some stuff on, I created a sub stack for this. That's free and, and wrote some strategy guides last year that, I'll pump next year if anybody wants to jump in for next year. It sounds like Jax is excited. We draft usually between – it's usually February. So, like, Super Bowl is going to end this year, and then we'll be drafting in February and then into March a little bit. you got to get it done before March Madness. College basketball is sort of the first big event, and it's so quick. I mean, March Madness goes over just a few different weekends. It's like three weekends. 
they do the whole thing, right? And so early April, that's already finalized. That's the first sport to finalize. We also have Champions League in some of these, um, Champions League soccer. And that starts playing some uh, round of 16 matches in, in March, I think, or something. So anyway, the, usually you're drafting in February. You can draft maybe even in late January. I don't know if I'll have it up and running by then, but um, – Shout out Kevin Zatlukel, who's the the guy who drafted one on one in this league. He's the guy who coded all this up and is, is awesome. He did some work for four from four. The the dude's sharp as hell and uh, has played a couple years of of Omni Fantasy. And uh, I'll be getting in touch with him as soon as the football season ends and trying to get this thing ready for next year. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to see. You know, we we joked before like you had the worst possible timing launching this with COVID. Um, but it is like a legitimately awesome, very fun. It's super uh, fun. And yeah. you just draft yeah. it at, like for one month. You can draft a few different teams. You do it a couple different leagues. And then it sits in the background. You don't have to think about it too much, but you can check up on it every few months throughout the year. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. that's what I've done. I've checked in and be like, oh, yeah, I don't look at it that much. I don't even update it that much. People are like pinging me to update the standings. Um, yeah. Can we get World Cup in this in this yeah, next oh. year's version? Yeah. World Cup Ooh. will be in it 100%. It was That's awesome. four years ago. Euro was uh, every 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 two every yeah. two years. We do Euro. We do Women's World Cup. Did we have Women's World Cup? This I don't year we didn't have any of it. those. This was the off year for those, wasn't it? Yeah. So we three out of the four years you have men's, women's, and Euro. And mm-hmm. so the next three years we'll have an additional soccer contest. That's like a fun national contest. Yeah, no, we had Euro this year. Did we? Oh, you're right. It was, you're right. It was, we yeah, yeah. We had Euro because it was uh, postponed. That's right. Oh, okay. Euro was super was super fun to track. I had a blast tracking Euro this summer. You guys want to rip uh, an underdog yeah, draft right. for two let's here? Do it, to... yeah, let's, do it. let's do it. So wait. So this uh, this bonus is non uh, non. I can't withdraw it. Olympics. They're asking about you Olympics can, is really hard to watch. Try both easy. winter and summer. If you can think of a smart way to do Olympics, tell me because I have no idea how to do it. But we did like. First, one time we did total medals, and that's just way too predictable. Yeah. Uh, another time we did select events, and even still, it was like two. Like you, like you would basically need to just do like one Winter Olympic event, I think, because like over the, I mean, there's no balance. Like the nation, like the U.S. has athletes in every sport, and a lot of countries don't, and so there's just like, like they're gonna rack up more medals, and like, yeah. it's just it's too easy. They'll be the one on one in every draft. It's just too easy for them to rack up the most medals. Got to figure out if anyone has ideas of how to do Olympics for yeah. Omni, hit yeah. up then on Twitter, yards per Gretch. Um, all right, let's hop. The Since we last uh, did these uh, underdog launch, the mitten, the $5 version of this. Um, and yeah, I did a strategy show with John Jackson uh, looking at some of the data and stuff from last year. And I'm starting to feel the bug a little bit on these on these playoff drafts for sure. Hey, I haven't jumped into them, but I it's an interesting format. The last one we did was really fun. Yeah, so we got the uh we got the 102 here. It looks like we have a friends and family draft. See Loon Dog. I am really excited about the team we drafted last week. Dude, it is Cowboys teams. Someone someone commented on the video too, and I did feel bad. They were like, you get Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill and didn't even act like it was anything when it that's like a near impossible start I mean, these days. <laughs> Put it in our bank account. 
<laughs> so yes, we will. We will see how that one goes. Can we pull up that at, team real quick? Or are we gonna yeah, we let's over? pull it up. Let's pull it up All after right. this draft, and then I can pull it up. All right, um, Pete, so what you're we... looking. You're you're uh, you're the strategy guy now. So what's our move at 102? I mean, to me, it's one of Adams or Cup. Um, there's a ton of Tyreek Hill Mahomes combos now, just because that's a pretty viable one, and it's now basically impossible to get you know Hill and Kelsey. So um, I prefer going with with Adams or Cup from this spot. All you right. guys have a. I mean, I guess we'll take whoever's left, but it Adams feels goes. like. Like Michael Thomas last year, they lost their their game and they didn't do very well. Or the last couple of years in the playoffs, Thomas got shut down after like a great season. Like it's who feels like that? Just like an elite receiver on a team that might not go far because Cup might they might lose in the first round. You know? Yeah, I like Adams if we can get him. Oh, Adams went one hundred and one. Let's yeah. do it. I mean, I, I I'm totally fine with it. Obviously, in this structure, we're gonna build a Ram stack. Then we're gonna right, because like you're just basically saying, like, I mean, if the Rams make a Super Bowl run, I mean, Cooper Cup is going to separate from the field in such a massive way. In a massive way, yeah. Um, and then the other nice thing about going with the Rams is they are a lot cheaper than that Green Bay stack. So what you can do too is you can kind of make some of your detours to other stuff, and then you know, Michelle Henderson, I assume. Michelle's getting a little pricier after uh what was it last night? Um, uh, but then you got Van Jefferson, Odell, Higby's free. Um, so there's you can backdoor stack yeah, it pretty easily. Yeah, Rams seem like a good team. A lot of ways yeah. to play them. Two running backs, uncertainty. I mean, that was what was the <clears throat> the key last year. We talked about the last year winning team had Fournette at the end of the draft because Jones was the guy all year, and Fournette was going in the last round of these. Uh, and, and then he hit obviously huge in the playoffs and it's crazy man you go through the backfields for the playoff teams and it's like outside of jonathan taylor and eckler i mean there's uncertainty in basically every single backfield <laughs> as far as like where who's gonna mm -hmm. get the touches who's gonna finish the season strong and healthy um there's lots of different ways to play it Fournette already going at the turn i mean Our what's guy, uh... the hamstring right like it's not great RKFD is our guy. He's uh, he's in the chat right now. <laughs> he's going for it. You can get right, the Bucks much cheaper now. Um, so I, I obviously think Diggs is is very viable. Um, Diggs is an awesome pick, I think. Yeah. Let's do it. Gets us on the other side. He'll never hear me be the guy that says no on Diggs. Let's do it. Yeah, that's, that's an exciting one. And, I and think then... I guess the question here, so these two teams. I think it's Allen, isn't it? I was going to suggest him. Yeah, so you can do Allen. Um, I don't mind Allen. I think, I assume it's a fairly popular turn. And then I do think now we play this as a, as a one quarterback uh, team. Because they're definitely going to be a wild card team. I like that. That's a good yeah. Call. And then, like, we, what happened to us, uh, well, we, I think we did two drafts last time, but we ended up taking Dak in the eighth round or something because yeah. he was just so, so cheap. But I think just optimal roster construction, you're, you're probably sticking to one if it's well. And I think part of the reason we did that is we didn't know for sure. I mean, I was kind of pitching it, but we didn't know for sure the Chiefs wouldn't be the one seed and they are now a game up on everyone else. Like, so mm -hmm. I'm actually really glad that we got Dak on that team as late as we did too. It was smart that we waited. And, and yeah, we had the, we had the Cowboys stack. 
Yeah. And, we made a smart risk calculation, but now we have two really good stacks on that roster and, and the Cowboys are going to be the one that gets us through the first round. If we get, you know, right. yeah. If we, yeah. And um, one other thing that really uh, crystallized for me when I was talking to John and he was talking about his strategy with running backs, it's either to get one of those bell cows, you know, a Taylor and Eckler or to just attach it to your quarterback. If you're playing a one QB, cause you're already playing for that team to make the Super Bowl, So right. like, in this one, like Singletary will make a ton of sense because he's cheap and he guarantees that you have a running back spot in Every the Super week. Bowl. That's great. Yeah. In yeah, that scenario. It. That's great. So now <laughs> the question is I mean, there's lots of different avenues uh, we can go. Um, you know, we could grab, I mean, Henderson at this price now does not seem too attractive to me. No. OBJ. We were just talking about how there's two backs. Yeah, we could definitely, we can, Odell definitely uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, And then we basically have to decide. Can you isolate the teams on? on, Yeah. Let's do that. So here's the Rams here. So there's Henderson. We just took Odell. Uh, Van Jefferson has a 10 pick ADP gap. Uh, Sony's going to go higher than this though. And Daryl's going to fall after. Yeah, let's let's go Sony. Uh, what about uh, Buffalo? We we pull them up real quick. Yep. The other thing to think through is who's going to be our third team if we do do like a four yeah. three three build. I mean these are these are two teams where we should almost hit that third team now. That's what I'm. Or we saying. could just go. We could go five five, couldn't we? Because these are teams we're going to get pieces you, from late. You can't. You can go five five. Um, and these are probably. Maybe the Cardinals would be the other team where it's viable because of how much they spread the ball around where you could truly get the spike weeks. Um, who's who's the less likely to make the Super Bowl? Rams? Or I think the Rams are less likely. Who do you guys yeah. want to do? Maybe Michelle or Singletary. Or I don't know if, if it's too early for those I'm guys. Down. I'm down with Sony. Let's do Sony. He's going to go higher. Yeah. To me, it, it does make sense. Like, I mean, yeah. at this point in our scenario, we've already said we need Cooper Cup to go to the Super Bowl. And, and you know, Beckham and, yeah. And Sony, yeah. Leland saying, is Henderson done now with the Michelle 50-50? I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know if it's so. over yet. No. Um, but it was interesting. It wasn't even 50-50, by the way. It was Michelle 75-25. Yeah. Yeah. Kittle one-off would have been nice, Phil B says. I, I thought about that. I, in, I mean, it's tough to pass on Kittle. That's another one, too. Yeah, I was going to float that one, like, because you could also play, you could play, like, a Kittle Debo um, uh-huh. and hope you get two just super high-ceiling games out of them. Where's Elijah Mitchell going? Got to be going late, because he's going to be back. Eli? That's a, oh, that's a good call. Pretty, he's going high. Yeah. It's going very high. <laughs> do you do you think there could be like a Sony Henderson dynamic with Mitchell and Jeff Wilson? I think it's Mitchell's backfield if he's if his knees a, if his knees good. I but did we backfield. think that about Henderson too? Just the way they had been using him this year. Not the way Michelle had played. I think I think they feel very differently about Mitchell than the Rams did about Henderson. I think Pete, I think Pete might be onto something because they haven't played together a lot. I mean, they, they were both active, I think, what, from one game? Because Wilson was at hurt for so long of this year. I mean, Wilson's, like, maybe the only other guy all year that Mitchell's had to compete with that Chan 
trust it. Let's see here. Uh, I would say Van or Dawson Knox if we want to just go for this 5-5 build. Or I like Dawson Knox. Is it really minus EV to take Henderson? Um, I don't think that's the best. You well, Singletary we can still get later. Okay. He's cheap. So tell me between. But Van we're not playing Knox. Like okay. Yeah, I mean, you get both. Knox. 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 Van Jefferson. Yeah. No, um, I mean, just for my sanity, let's not take Van Jefferson yet. So Andy, while push back on this, I get having a one Q build in mind, but Stafford there seemed like an easy pick. So if you're using, um like Stafford scores there or like two, even two of the games, I think you're just sacrificing too much opportunity cost because most of the time Stafford is not scoring Josh Allen. And even when he does outscore him, you're maybe gaining like three to four points. It means that Josh Allen wasn't the right pick. In it's the in the round. team's dead already. Yeah. Cause you invested yeah. a second round pick in him. Yeah. So I, I don't think that in the same way with the opportunity cut, like once we take Sony Michelle there, we're, we're making though. a bet. You want to take Van yeah, Jefferson? We're up. Yeah, Van Jefferson. Yeah, let's just take Van Jefferson. You don't want to take can get, I mean, I feel like we're going with the five five build on this. Yeah. Without Stafford, I felt like both Rams running backs might be an interesting way to play that because we're kind of saying Stafford's not going to throw three, four touchdowns. We're kind of playing the Rams receivers through receptions and concentrated offense and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to make a case for not drafting Van Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> you tried. You tried. Yeah. But we're also playing that Josh Allen just like has a massive run through the playoffs, makes a Super Bowl. And in that case, he's probably still outscoring Stafford, even when Stafford's carrying two guys a week. Right. That's what I'm saying, though. But yeah, okay. Even if Stafford's throwing TDs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's carrying, let's say like Stafford carries Van and Cooper Cup. And then the following week, he, he carries Odo Beckham and Cooper Cup. That's still going to put more points in our lineup than the difference between Stafford and Josh Allen. Greg, explain this, explain this question because I want to hear it too. But what do you mean? Can we get Pat's thoughts on RB draft capital strategy? What in, what specific the underdog playoff? Yeah, what like contest? This is literally drafts? this is the second one I've done of these, and you guys watched me do the first so, yeah. uh, last week. Are you talking about twenty twenty two? Are you talking what are you talking about? Mitchell and Sermon. That's not. Oh, not... he's talking about our argument from a few weeks ago. I think maybe <laughs> when we were talking about. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, right, right, right. He wants you to go it? in on he want, it's a joke about your argument with him. Yeah, he wants you to go in on the, the Niners taking two picks or one pick. Yeah, that was yeah. great. Let's spend two let's spend two late picks on uh 49ers running backs. Like the ultra sharp Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. I mean, let's do it. <laughs> um yeah, in this one, so like thinking through, you know, I don't the five five is is interesting to me. It, it certainly could work. I mean, we basically you basically need these guys to each alternate putting up like 40 points a week. You know, you need one of these teams putting up 40 a week to make sure you're emerging from these initial rounds where people are more cherry picking. They like, are winning. Right. I mean, that, that is a fact. Like, they're both winning every week is a, is a known element of our – Is Stafford still here now, or did he go? He went. Because at this um, point, I would – okay. You could – so I, I definitely think we – I think do, Singletary. Singletary, yeah. yeah. Singletary makes a ton of sense. I do think if we wanted to, we could add a, a two. 
and do like a four, four, two of like yeah. a really high ceiling. Yeah. If we wanted to, I think we should pick a team that might not make the, playoffs, I think there's still pieces here. There's still Beasley. There's still Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis. I'm it's viable. Yeah. I think we, viable. Ta- I think we tack on two more bills. If, if we can get them. But who's the team that might not make it? Like, the, like look at the Bengals right now. You it, could get Mix and Chase. Like, what if the, what if the Bengals what make saying. it and win a game? Like, and you have Bengals. Mix and Chase. Bengals aren't going anywhere unless they yeah, but, get their act together. But the other thing, Pat, so you're having to think, too, about advancing mm-hmm. out of round one. And mm-hmm. that was, like, the team last year, Chris G's team, that won the gauntlet, that he had the four Browns guys who got the two big ceiling games from them, too. So you're just basically saying, like, Josh Allen Chris in the Chris G ran- won that? That was his team? He won the Yeah, Chris G yeah. won, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't know he, that. He messaged me after because hey. we were talking about it. He's like, you know that was congrats. me, right? Congrats. <laughs> yeah, congrats to Chris. We were about to talk about his team again as if it wasn't him. I did not know that. Uh, well so Lundar did the the Chase Mixon thing there. Um, yeah. I'm going to put Gabe Davis just yeah, in the queue. Um, but I'm just looking at some of the other, if there were any other I mean, scenarios. probably Beasley before Gabe, right? No, Beasley okay. won't go. The only other thing, the reason I'd say Gabe is just because this is half point PPR instead of the full, and Gabe's been kind of getting there on Gabe. touchdowns. Fuck yeah, Cole Beasley. <laughs> <laughs> so now our last pick is, I mean, we might be able to do. We could also take a one off, like yeah, we take a, one off running a, back. a Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson probably makes a decent amount of sense in a build like this. I I'm totally on board with that. Yeah, I think especially if Beasley's gone. You could also make the same, like Ronald Jones is kind of like the, the NFC version of Ramondre for this yeah. pick. Yeah, yep. I agree with all that. Where you're kind of making a bet against the injured. Yeah, they can play three incumbent. games. All those teams could play three games. I mean, the Bucks are going to probably be a wild card team now. And, and our team can still make the Super Bowl, and that team can play three games. Mm-hmm. Playoff Rojo. I like I do like yeah I think the more I think through it because we yeah we we want the Bills rolling to the Super Bowl so taking the one off the from NFC side the NFC I actually side. do th- I think Elijah Mitchell is a really strong pick too yeah on the NFC what's his side. what's his health stuff like I mean with not playing tomorrow like is there any uncertainty with his timetable there was a report that was fairly positive about uh, his knee. But then he got ruled out. Um, let me pull him up. This is another fun team we've built. It is fun. I like that we got both Beckham and Van. It's you don't important. have to choose. It it's is. important to, to, to add your bets. <laughs> I mean, I love like the three Rams pass catchers, the three Bills pass catchers is very yeah. fun. Yeah. We can uh I don't see much on Mitchell. I don't know. It's it's a it's a question mark. I can't so hmm. Yeah, because because this pick we are playing more of like a two game thing. Like the fact that the Bucks have you know far better Super Bowl odds than the 49ers doesn't really change anything for the construction of this team because we're just trying to hit the two spike weeks. You know, get a 49ers win and get two Eli Mitchell spike weeks. Um, 
So yeah, I, I, I'm good. I'm good with Mitchell I there. Eli. I feel like he's a good risk reward there. Uh, yeah, I like Eli. That's my pick too. Yeah, okay. I think that's. It's just easier to see him like you know, taking over a backfield for two games. And they're playing good. They're comfortably. They're game up. I mean, I think yeah. they're going to comfortably be in, right? Yeah. He would be nice if we would have taken Kittle early. Oh, oh man. That would have been a that, really nice. That was the decision point there. And yeah. because I think I think that was our mistake. Um yeah, knowing that we were so backloaded with Bills and Rams cheap that you yeah. could take the detour there. Yeah, you could take Kittle. That's an interesting taken, one. We could have taken Kittle Eli and had a really fucking good yeah. tandem for a third team. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Sam. Uh, wants a little sauce. Uh, no, this was one of my drafts from where's our draft that we just did. Here it is. I mean, right, Steve's so- saying too sure what teams are making it far. We're not, we're just going to make a lot of different teams. And this is one team that is betting on those teams making it far. like whatever. Yeah, it's going right. to be two teams that make it and, and whoever wins is going to have a lot of them. It's just like, that's the reality. I mean, it, you're basically right. saying with your first two picks. I mean, you, you, you're saying like, what if, what if their teams go to the Super Bowl? Like, yeah. that that that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. And then there's room for the George Kittle detour, the double Bengals late. You know, you can even go like mid tier Chargers. Um, you know, stuff like that. But for the most part, like your your bet is is made the second you you make those early picks. Uh, Sam did Tyreek Hill, Jonathan Taylor. CEH, Kyler Murray, Derek Henry, Christian Kirk, Michael Pittman, AJ Green, Ertz, Julio Jones. So I love the, I feel like that two concentrated Colts with Taylor and Pittman is a really good bet. Um, has the Kyler kind of backdoor stack with Kirk. You don't have it up on the screen. Oh, sorry. My bad. Uh, so I'm looking at Sam's team here in the third spot. Then he has a Tyreek Hill CEH bet and then a Derrick Henry Julio Jones bet. So he's playing for uh, the Cardinals make the Super Bowl. And then he has hoping that basically one of these AFC teams and he took running backs on each of the AFC teams. So he would have a running back in there. So I I like how that lineup, uh, the story that lineup tells. What break it down again? What does he got? So it's a four, two, two, two. The four is from the NFC side, the Cardinals. And then he has three sets of two AFC teams that all include the running back. So he's Mm -hmm. basically giving himself chances. JT Pittman, CH Tyreek, Derek Henry, Julio in the Super Bowl, the two, four. So he theoretically have six guys going in the Super Bowl. That's an interesting build. I like that. Yeah. I don't like the Titans one quite as much. Just because I think the Titans, they're not, I don't think they're very well coached right now. We don't know Derrick Henry's health. I mean, his foot injury, and I always expect it back and everything, but that's a risk. Julio Jones' health is obviously a massive risk. So I don't know. I, 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 I like the idea, but I don't know that I'd be psyched to do that with the Titans. Yeah, I think it's an interesting construction, though. And I, I like how Me he too. did that with the, with the running backs. Um, yeah, that's smart. Let's see. Yeah. You wanted to, we could take a peek at that team we drafted last week, last time. Sam oh, that was a more about getting points in the first round, which that's interesting. Let's see. 
It's Mahomes, Dak. That's not it. By the way, the Leland making the comment Arizona's fucked without Hopkins. I think this is a really interesting week to draft Arizona because Arizona was winning games with Colt McCoy at quarterback. Like, if that's going to be the narrative, then I think you got to hammer Arizona. They'll be fine. I think they'll be fine without Hopkins. You guys keep saying this, but the the user interface on the site is so good. I don't get to fucking use it, but like the way you're just clicking through your teams and, and then just navigating back to the draft results and into the, I mean, we we love that we love the underdogs. Um, knows what they're doing, man. But I do. I mean, think we can't even get our season long sites to be this. Functional. They've been around for <laughs> twenty years, thirty Pick years. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem, man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's this, the problem. this site was up like two years ago. That's why it's so good. It's like just started and it works like fucking amazing. But yeah, um, this is what I want to see. Yeah, I clicked on that. I, I can see it now. I I do uh, just want to emphasize that I again I we talking about being price sensitive with all this stuff. But if you're drafting now, taking advantage of the sentiment, yeah. you know, like. The Bucks were basically impossible to super stack uh, a couple of weeks ago um, or when they first launched this. And then after the three guys left the game on Sunday with the injuries, like now you can start with all five of the best Bucks in a draft just because the sentiment on them has changed. And as you were talking about with the Cardinals, and I do think, you know, I was talking with John and kind of, the smart strategy right now is those teams that are like sub 50%, but still have a chance to make the playoffs, that probability. So like the Bengals, like the Vikings, like the Vikings and 49ers had flipped a little, like grab your Jefferson and Dalvin cooks cheap now, while the uncertainty of their playoff prospects isn't baked into their ADP. Yeah. I like that. I got a, I feel like Evan is firing shots here with this. I would move if underdog wasn't in my state. I just want to be clear. You got to get married. You got to have kids, man. I mean, <laughs> Evan might be married and have kids. I don't know, but fix your site. No, no, fix your personal life. Fix your <laughs> get married and then talk to us. Get married and then come talk to me, man. And then live, live on the West Coast where all the states are not, they're three hours away. Fix your state has more of a ring to it. So yeah, I think yeah. Evan, score, score point all, for Evan there. Most of you guys are all East Coasters. I mean, most of our country is East Coasters where every state is like a fucking 30 minute drive. Oh, Evan's 22. Yeah. Evan would change right. his state Evan's in a second. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'd be moving around too, buddy. I'd be moving around too. Make your bed. Evan, go make your bed. Uh, I love that, Gretch. When you run for office, you're going to run on a platform of Omni Fantasy, Fantasy for All. I mean, yep. you could just, you know, and then you're going to say, fix your state. <laughs> that's that's your, your campaign slogan. Fix your state. It's, it sounds And then perfect. every uh, season-long site has to have better or equal to UI as uh, best ball sites. Yeah. That, that's that's going to be my third campaign slogan. You're also it's a be best running... ball site. Like, come on. You can beat that. Like, your, your campaign would also be running attack ads on Van Jefferson. Yes, yes it would be the fourth. Well, that's the fourth. Uh, we we are building a talking point list right now. I mean, Gretch, I hate to I hate to do this to you, but I would be secretly trying to get Van Jefferson to run against you because the <laughs> <laughs> the the Ben Gretch going against Van Jefferson in a campaign. I mean, nothing. This guy get... sucks. Can you imagine <laughs> yeah. the debate? That's all I'd be saying. <laughs> We'd get you so fired up. It would be the best. Be perfect. <laughs> um. All right, guys. Any 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 final takes here? Should we should we land the plane? Let's land it. I'm ready Let's to land it. Like keep drafting personally, but we can land it. We'll we'll <laughs> let you uh, fix fix your state first, Gretch, fix and then state. you can. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I, I, I'm down maybe off stream. We can, uh, coordinate in the ship chasing chat. If, uh, if people want to hop in a couple more drafts tonight, I am down for that. Um, appreciate you guys as always hanging out with us. We'll of course be back next Wednesday as we head into week 17 and then the following week. Uh, no, actually two weeks after that. Cause we still have stupid week 18. <laughs> um, I'll be talking about my cash game plays the week after that, but then the week after that is the playoff strategy. Are you excited for cash week? Cash week, I'm getting excited for. I am. I am. I'm so sick of GPPs, I do love cash man. week. I need, I need to get some cash cash games in my life. Going to you know, send a big head-to-head over to Levitan. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Um, all right, guys. Follow Ben Gretsch, Yardsburg Gretsch on Twitter. Subscribe to Stealing Signals. Follow Pat Corain where he is battling against the game film watchers. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, <laughs> a much more active Twitter feed recently. It is. It is. He's really uh, coming into his own on Twitter. Uh, we will see you guys next week. We'll catch you around in the Discord. Peace. Peace.